0: Deke shock. Deke shock
1: It did. It kind of sounded like a chicken. It was weird. I kind of wish I'd have captured it. Because it didn't sound like an r- actual chicken. It sounded like you ran over like a rubber chicken. You know, that kind that you squeeze and it squawks for like half a minute.
0: Oh yeah, right, those inflatable things. Yes.
1: Yes, that's that's what. <laughs> damn it. I don't I don't record soon enough. I'm recording now though,
0: by the way. Oh. I am recording. Oh, really? Okay, all so fun. Kirsten, don't say anything.
1: Oh yeah, that, yeah, now now's the time to be a jackass. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> hey, I had to go back to work. I have a right to be a little bit of a jackass considering what I've been dealing with.
1: Dude, you have all the passes for that. I feel for you so much having to deal in a restaurant environment with the people who don't want masks. It's, it absolutely, I can't imagine what you're dealing with.
0: I just, it's, it's so weird because like you would think they would be at least somewhat appreciative that we're, we're open and we're serving them and we're doing our best considering all the things that we're required to do as far as like the extra cleaning steps and, you know, all having to wear masks and everything, but no, Majority of them are just, they want what they want, they want it now, and they don't accept any reason for why they can't have what they want, even if it's an unreasonable request.
1: (laughs) I just call that the restaurant industry.
2: Yeah, really. I mean, you know, part of it, Jeff, I'll wager anything that that guy that you described probably went into the restaurant thinking he would just bully you guys into letting the fifth person sit at the table. The customer oh, I, is I would, always
1: right. I would
0: imagine that's exactly what he was thinking.
2: Yeah. But
0: <laughs> Oh, yeah, the the one that that has been real fun is people that are like trying to walk in and we can only accept reservations because of right. the contact tracing and stuff.
1: Sure, and that's and, that's the rule in Las Vegas that if you're going to yeah. any restaurant to sit down, you have to have a reservation no matter what the restaurant
0: and, and, and it's like, you know, we tell us like you can make a reservation on open table right now and we can take you. We just can't take you as a walk in if you understand what we're saying. And some people are just like, huh? it's 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 it's, it's ridiculous. Listen, but, some, you know, some
1: people hey, with some, some people. Tech stuff is super complex. I, I've dealt with tech stuff all my life and I butt heads against it. Hell, I was butting head against it uh, an hour before we started this recording.
0: This is true. This is true.
1: <laughs> this, this, is, this has been a, a maddening day, uh, but let's bring everybody in. Hello, folks. Welcome to Geek Shock, number five hundred sixty-five. I am Master Torgo. Eighties Jeff, Commander K, and we're here to talk week and geek. Yes, the uh, the the bugs are starting to get worked out in this system. Uh, we almost didn't have a show because my computer just started to go into a set of absolute crashes about an hour and a half before recording. You see, everyone. Cool. Windows 10 decided to update again this weekend. And whenever Windows 10 decides to have a gigantic update, uh, my life goes to shit. And so I dealt with that. And it it seems to me the computer is stable thus far. So I I am happy. I'm hopeful that we'll get a whole show out of this.
2: Knock on wood. (laughs) Oh,
1: someone's knocking. Yep. We appreciate that. Can't knock that. We've done some test recordings for tonight. Uh, so far, this recording setup that we have seems to work better than the one we had before. If that is the case, hopefully we can start bringing on Andy and, if if he so desires, Matt next week and, and start opening the show up to the more classic Geek Shock panel, if you will. But it all depends on how this one goes uh, post-edit. So, uh, fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, I got to see Matt briefly today. It was nice. You did? Yes, he uh, he brought me food. <laughs> they, uh, I guess, he and Paulette cooked for Friendsgiving, even though they didn't have the actual get together. So he was taking around food to people, and I thought, oh, that was really nice of you. That was but extremely he, nice. He did like the Uber Eats thing and set it like right outside my front door, and then got back and I I opened the door and and waved to him and said hi. We we had a quick conversation, and uh, unfortunately. Aww. They'd get to talk too long because, you know, he had his mask on and he had places to get to. But it was good to see him again since I haven't seen him in, what, eight months now, yeah, right, guys? Yeah, that sounds about right. It was heartening. It was heartening to see.
1: Oh, That's all uh, I got to say. You know, say. It, it makes me feel better knowing that you got to see him. So, yeah. wow.
2: I'm tearing up here right now. I can tell. <laughs> I can tell. I can
1: tell the difference in the K standard voice and the verklempt K. There's a... There's a... Yeah. The <laughs> K.
2: It's sort of like the, the, the Jeff's voice is drying
1: out. Voice. Right. <laughs> so, gentlemen, here it is. The uh, Well, you know, before we get into what geeky stuff we did this week, the poll is up for the Geek Shock Book Club to select the graphic novel for December. The uh, The nominations are in, so you can vote for those in the book club for December's graphic novel. I think we have four nominations. Way and, to work that poll, Todd. yes. Always. If if there's a poll, I'm going to work it. And speaking of, regarding the new uh, red light, green light, the new format, and the pitches, bitches aspect. Uh, If you didn't listen to last week's show, uh, we are making some changes to red light, green light. And one of the changes is we're asking you, shock monkeys, to send in pitches to uglycouchshow.com. And in the subject line, put uh, pitches, bitches. Then put your TV pitch that will go into red light, green light, because the whole scenario, quote unquote, is that there is a competing production company for Dunright Productions. That's our production company, Dunright, that is trying to make us spend money on shows that will never exist. So they're putting in these Fake pitches in the pitches that are on the desk, and that's your job, monkeys, to write us TV pitches that will fool us in red light, green light. And if we green light your fake pitch, uh, then basically you get a point in name of this competing production company. And we, uh, the pitches have been coming in, guys. We have gotten a few pitches already. And don't worry if you feel like you don't have a a fully fleshed out thing. Let's say, uh, I'll use an actual pitch that we used. Let's say that you wanted to pitch a, a reboot of uh, Smokey and the Bandit. I mean That was an actual pitch that happened, but let's say that was a pitch that you wanted to do. Uh, you could simply just write that in and just write in whatever details that you want to put for that. Or as little as you like as well. Because all the pitches that you send in, I am going to uh, torgo-fy them a little bit so they match the pitch-style structure that's already red light, green light to help mask it a little bit. So don't worry if you feel like you... It's like, ah, I don't want to ride out a whole pitch. I, but what if, they wanted, what if we wanted to uh, reboot uh, uh, the wizard or whatever? Then I, I'll fill in the blanks to make it seem like one of the... Pitches that normally arrive on the desk for those that have already sent in. Thank you. Awesome ideas. In fact, guys, I got to tell you, some of these pitch ideas we got would make fantastic TV shows. (laughs) I will gladly green light those. There's going to be some some tough things coming your way.
0: Well, good. And uh, I have been staying off the email, so it will be a surprise to me.
1: Good. Yes. I'll I'll take care of email while this is all going on. So again, if you want to send the pitch, send it to uh, comments at UglyCouchShow.com with the pitches, bitches in the subject line so that I can flag them for later red light, green lights. And we will probably start doing red light, green lights again under this new uh, variation uh, once we get Andy back on the show. All right. Uh, so that's all the business up front. So, gentlemen, there it is. The question, what geeky things did you do this week?
0: I watched a few things. Um, all right. Not the least of which was the uh, new episode of The Mandalorian on Friday, which, oh, my God, that was, that was insane. I mean, it was so good.
1: Right. You, and you can't it was... really talk about it because the, it's yeah. so spoilerific through and through, but... It's it's a lot of things that fans have been wanting to see.
0: Dave Filoni has essentially continued his ability of taking the old expanded universe stuff that people were upset got taken away and making it canon again. And then taking stuff from both Clone Wars and Rebels and incorporating it into the Mandalorian. So, uh yeah, it's, it was brilliantly written, brilliantly acted by everyone that was in it. A few surprise faces that I was not expecting. I don't know what else to say without giving away if anybody hasn't seen it. But yeah, wow, what an episode.
1: There hasn't been a clunker yet. Have there been ones that have been better than others? Sure, but have any of them been like, oh, that episode wasn't so great? Uh, no, not really. And they've all been important of
0: developing this larger universe that we're, you know, this this post fall of the Empire in Return of the Jedi that we're we're navigating until you get up to uh, the new trilogy. So it's fascinating watching it unfold.
1: Not only that, but I mean, this is Filoni's doing because he had everything to do with these other shows, but it is wrapping its arms around the Clone Wars animated series and the Rebels animated series as well. If, if there is an ingredient that is making the cookies, uh, this is the egg that brings it all together.
2: Yes, absolutely. I I wholeheartedly agree. That episode has actually made me interested in, uh, trying to watch Clone Wars again and then Rebels. Yeah, me too. I got to give that another try. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I also watched, uh, actually watched the whole, cause it wasn't very long, the, uh, the ten episode run of the new Save by the Bell on uh, Peacock. That was uh, that was interesting. Reboot? It's a it's a it's a soft reboot because it features some of the original cast. Uh, some of the original cast makes cameos. Some are regulars. Uh, but as far as like the teenagers that are going to school, it's a whole new cast. I have mixed feelings about it. Um, the characters that were from the original series seem like comic versions of themselves the teenage characters i have to say uh are really nailing the roles and it's a little silly but that's just the nature of saved by the bell the the issue that i have is the adult cast like the cast from the original series they're playing like these really comically exaggerated versions of themselves and it's bizarre like just silly for silly sake and it it's a bit troubling I mean I don't know if they're trying to do a (laughs)
1: I'm sorry saved by the bell in troubling is uh, until showgirls came along that they they were never said the same sentence
0: yeah and it's and and, and troubling in the sense that I know it's always been a a somewhat silly take on high school and, and all the crap that you have to go through in high school but it really seems like I don't I don't know if maybe they're trying to It's it's supposed to be The adults are seen through the kids eyes And the adults are just Silly and they don't understand What they're going through and I, Or if it's them trying to play up The idea that this reboot Is ridiculous I just don't know But hmm. anyway How um, is Screech? He's <laughs> not in the show Not in the show <laughs>
2: Yeah I kind of figured
0: well, I mean, last I heard, he was in jail. I don't know if he still is, but... <laughs> well, that, that, Screech is going to Yeah, that, that that could put a kink in your plans. I mean, the character is supposed to be on the International Space Station,
2: but the actor is in jail, so... Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you could dress up a cell as a space station, I guess. Sure, sure. They both wear orange. Right? True.
1: N- nothing a little tinfoil can't fix. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Suppose that's possible.
1: <laughs> were you a bit, Jeff? I assume watching this that you were a fan of Saved by the Bell back in the day.
0: Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't deny it. I, I, I watched it when I get home from school in my, my teen years because they, they actually graduated. I think in '93, but I graduated in '92. So, as far as the actual like years of high school that they're going through was pretty parallel to what. You know, my high school years were until until they took like a year off and then came back for the, quote, senior year, which is why they graduated in ninety three instead of ninety two, because I think all the actors are the same age as I am, if I remember correctly.
1: Okay, wow. I was never a fan for all my love of teenage melodrama. uh, The show was just too goofy for me. Mm -hmm. I I need something that takes it more seriously, like Degrassi.
0: Yeah, Degrassi is not goofy (laughs) at all.
1: But not in the same way. It's goofy, yes, it is. It's goofy, but not silly. And Saved by the Bell has always been silly. Like it's, you just it's, keep telling yourself. No, no, that. no. It's played up for like sitcom laughs, right? Uh, but the the heart of Degrassi is actual teenage high school troubles, and and dealing with them in a mature adult way. And there's there's nothing about Saved by the Bell that is a mature adult way.
0: I suppose, like my understanding is, the original premise was to tackle some of the more, I don't know what you want to call them, the difficult issues of the time with seriousness. And then the network was like, no, this is a comedy. You have to make it silly. Like when uh, when Jesse gets addi- addicted to caffeine pills, that was their their take on <laughs> drug addiction.
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dude, Drake got shot in the spine. All right.
0: Yeah. Well, as We're Drake talking is reels. To do. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: if I remember right, Saved by the Bell had a laugh track, right?
0: Uh, yes, they did. Uh, they well, Maybe
1: that's a big part of it.
0: Part of it was shot in front of a studio audience. And then, yes, they also used a laugh track for stuff that they shot off camera. And then I think they also amped up the audience laughter with with canned so
1: i think that, <laughs> i think that that's that's really the big difference between the two is that it was a show that necessitated canned laughter whereas if you put canned laughter even in the oldest of degrassi stuff which is by far the goofiest of them it, it would seem out of place there, okay. there, there really is there really is a s- philosophical difference between the two and i and i real and i'm not going to defend Degrassi and say that it's not a ridiculous show. It absolutely is. But only in the oh, fact so. that it also, it takes itself super seriously uh, with acting. That's not that great. And so <laughs> the combination is, is just gold.
0: Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not defending saved by the bell at any, any rate. I mean, as an adult, I look bad at it and it is, it's ridiculous. I mean, at, when you're a teenager at the time, it seems normal. And then, of course, there's the nostalgia factor as you know a 46-year-old adult as opposed to a 16-year-old kid. So, yeah, I, I get it. but well, And there was a whole again, bunch of
1: those at that time. Oh, yeah. There, there was the Parker Lewis Can't Lose. There was the uh, TV version of Ferris Bueller. Don't you talk bad about Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the others are, are escaping me at the moment. I guess 21 well, Jump sure. Street, although that is a little more crime drama. With, with Right. If you take Degrassi and put in some crime drama, then you have 21 Jump Street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so your your mixed feelings with this new Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Um, the, I the don't kids, know if they're the, going to continue. Okay. The kids are great. The adults reprising their roles are are off the goof level.
0: Yes. That's 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 it in a nutshell.
1: All right. You, you watch the whole thing. Like, the, there's, there's yes. 10 episodes. There's no more. Are there going no. to be more?
0: As it stands right now, there's supposed to be a second season, but, you know, with everything, everything is up in the air. Like, uh, I know that I just found out Utopia got canceled for their uh, second season, yes which did. was originally contracted. So there's there's no guarantees of anything in 2020 and beyond
1: (laughs) true true although i i understand that utopia is based on a british show so if you can find the british version of utopia you can get the full story still
0: that might be a plan
1: (laughs) maybe acorn has it you'll have to ask professor
0: biggs (laughs) i've asked enough of professor biggs he went to real soda in uh, california for me and oh wow uh, (laughs) picked up a bunch of stuff i couldn't get here so I, I owe the guy a lot
1: already. <laughs> That's incredibly nice.
0: Yes, yeah, real soda. very nice of
1: him. Uh, real Soda being one of those places that specialize in independent soda bottling companies.
0: I'm sorry, Rocket Fizz. Uh, the Rocket Fizz out here didn't have what I was looking for. Ah. Sorry. Real Soda is, is more or less defunct out there. I mean, okay. they, right. still, they still have clients. But yeah, same, same premise as Real Soda. Uh, craft sodas, hard to find stuff, uh, throwback sodas, etc.
1: Well we we our oh, Rocket oh, Fizz I, moved.
0: Yes, it's now in area fifteen.
1: That's that's the Meow Wolf establishment that's opened up here in Vegas in the middle of the pandemic. Yes.
0: Yes. I did I did pop in there uh last week for like a moment to see if they had what I was looking for and Wait, you they actually had,
1: went into area fifteen? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I the show I got a wild hair. The show stops <laughs> right here. Jeff Tell me yeah. about Area 15.
2: <laughs> yeah, really? That, that's well, that's
1: Barry in the goddamn lead. Yeah. There
0: wasn't much going on when I was there. That's why I didn't, haven't said much about it. The Meow Wolf installation still isn't open yet. The restaurant that's in there isn't open yet. The bar is open. There was supposed to be a food court outside that was not open. They have like a... I don't know what you call it. I guess it's like a roller coaster that you wear like a harness, so almost like a uh like a zipline roller coaster if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't operating. <laughs> so okay. I mean, the the people are up there and they were running tests on it, but it wasn't open to be uh utilized. Uh Rocket Fizz is open. The bar that's in the main area is open, and that's about it. There's a a sports club i guess you want to call it it's it's almost like a dance club with like a sports slash esports theme to it but you have to make reservations for that and i i didn't want to be around people for that long anyway because i literally just wanted to get in check out see if they had my sodas which they had a couple but not all of them and then i basically just came straight home so the place has got a lot of potential i think once everything's open and once you know vaccines start getting around and and we're able to you know maybe ease up some of these uh, restrictions that are out there that it'll be good but as of right now
1: when the pandemic gets under control yeah, is what you're saying exactly
0: that's uh that's why i had like i hadn't mentioned it much before other than uh because all i really did was go in go to rocket fizz and you know take a, a quick walk around, which didn't take very long. And then I was out. I think I was in there maybe 15 minutes, 20 tops.
1: How about the decoration? Is it sparse or is it uh, like fully decorated now? Or they're still working on it? Work in progress. Okay. So again, that's another
0: reason I didn't want to, you know, say too much because I don't want to give it a negative review and then have them, you know, fully deck it out rather and then go, oh, okay, it's not, it doesn't suck now. So don't want to jump the gun on that.
1: Of course. I'm just glad that Rocket Fizz is back open. Yes, exactly. We've had two locations in town that have both closed. May they stay there and be very, very profitable. Indeed. So, Kirsten, what what geeky things you do this week? Well, I, too, watched
2: Mandalorian, as we discussed, and I enjoyed that immensely. It's made me uh, want to give uh, Clone Wars another try. Try to bull through that first season and get going on that and watch Rebels. Uh, I also watched Priest, a uh, movie on uh, Netflix before it vanished, which was uh,
1: okay. Didn't, didn't that come out like seven years ago? Is it that Priest? Yeah. With oh, okay. The, with the uh, the kind of a supernatural horror sci-fi angels and demons fighting thing uh vampires
2: vampires and this is uh paul bettany is um a priest which is uh the uh, holy order of uh, vampire hunters who helped humans win the vampire war even though the earth became a kind of techno punky dystopia in doing so and then Carl Urban is like vampire dude who's trying to make everybody vampires and
1: was it was it worthwhile? Uh, I
2: was gonna was... say
0: you seem kind of you kinda of like lackluster on your enthusiasm there. Yeah.
2: No, it 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 had some good moments, but overall it was it was uh, um, it was a competent little you know, vampire apocalypse movie, but that's that's really it. I mean, I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't say that it was incredible or anything, unfortunately. So, <laughs> you know,
1: it, it was, it was something little, to take up an hour and a half of your time.
2: Uh, basically, yeah. And it's really funny because I, I was like, you know what? I haven't watched every time we do this. What'd you do this week? It's like I don't have a whole lot to report on. So why don't I watch something so I can report on it by <laughs> damn.
1: Sometimes and we have that, to do that for, for geek shock is like, yeah. I don't have anything to talk about, so I better watch something so I can.
2: Yeah. That's kind of how I
1: started that, the good place.
2: <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's how I ended up with, with that. It just, it just wasn't, I don't know, fabulous. And there's plenty of good stuff out there. I need to get off my lazy ass and,
1: and research what's good before you choose it. <laughs> well, just
2: you know, just watch it. I mean, that was uh, also a uh, it. It was it was an article. I forget which uh, geek blog, you know, which geek magazine said it. That was like watch the the best dystopian movie on Netflix right now before it's gone, November thirtieth. And I was like, oh, well, okay. You know, I've seen promo pictures of priest, and I was like, yeah, it didn't really excite me. And, and there was a you
1: know, high praise on that recommendation.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that was. That recommendation was just like, eh. well, either that or it's just speaking to the abysmal condition of uh, Netflix's dystopian uh, selections. It was okay. It just wasn't <laughs> <bad>. <laughs>
0: If it was Inverse that made the recommendation, Kay, then always take those with a grain of salt because they always put up those watch the best blank before it leaves on November 30th and, you know, or whatever the end of that month is. I think it was
2: Inverse. I think it was
0: Inverse. I can almost guarantee it was because those (laughs) keep popping up in my feed and almost all of the recommendations are like, wow, really? You're recommending that movie or that show? Mm
2: Ah, yes. The poor state of film journalism today.
1: (laughs) Almost feels Uh, like a racket.
2: Don't get me started.
1: Like like (laughs) priests. People behind priests are like, uh, we need uh, some goddamn residuals. Let's talk to Inverse. Have them push it.
2: Yeah. Just before it disappears. So Yeah. I haven't watched Altered Carbon yet. I want to watch that. Oh, wow. There are a few other things that are out there that I could definitely... So what
0: you're saying is you're... You're avoiding the good ones and taking one for the team and watching the bad ones, so the rest of us don't have to.
2: I guess so. I mean, if if I want to put a noble spin on it,
1: <laughs> why not? The,
2: <laughs> you know, the truth is, is I'm just being lazy and because I'll. No, I'll, you are I'll, being the
1: hero we need right now. <laughs> I'm watching
2: a lot of Time Ghost Army on YouTube, especially now that they're building up to their. Actually, it'll be next week, um, December 7th. Is, I just want to back up a second. G- this,
1: this is the uh, history of World War II thing, right?
2: Right. These okay. are the guys who do the, the history in real time on. They did the Great War and now they're doing World War II. And next week, December 7th, they're actually going to do in the morning a five hour, minute by minute uh, documentary. Of wow. uh, the attack on Pearl Harbor. And they're building up to that.
1: Minute by minute, so. really?
2: Yeah, yeah. They're actually, I mean, they're going to use uh, 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 computer generated imagery for uh, some of the battle scenes, but they'll also be using tons of archival footage. Oh, wow. They'll be using uh, uh, radio um, uh, archival stuff. Uh, and yeah. And they're just gonna go f- a full five hours uh like right from uh when it starts so so i i I keep up with with uh World War two week by week in watching their stuff in preparation for that and watching and rest, roll I was gonna say
0: and the rest is all fail videos, right,
2: yeah. And Well, you know what? It's actually, I put the fail videos in the playlist so, you know, at the appropriate after party, we can play them. So <laughs> I don't watch too many fail videos unless... Uh, you don't want to spoil them. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, too, because...
1: I wonder how this one ends.
2: You you can tell Fail Army has hit that point of they're running out of content because they, they keep regenerating compilations which are old uh, things and you'll be watching something that posted yesterday and you're like didn't we see that a month ago and you get all confused and then there will be something new in there in the midst of it all but um we lamented a couple weeks ago well a couple months ago we may have exhausted fail Army's oeuvre <laughs> of uh, recorded human Misery. failure yeah,
0: you know what? Do what I've been doing, Kay. Go back and watch some of the older Aussie Man reviews stuff, because I keep finding stuff that I'm like, "How did I miss this?" I have yeah. I've, I'm subscribed to his channel, and I'm like, "There's a several in there that from like five, six years ago that I've just missed."
2: Right. Also, like you know, before Aussie Man kind of kind of became woke and started being a nicer guy, because like his older reviews when like he's. Talking about Mexican weather reporter Yanit uh, very appreciative.
0: Although but. somewhat uncomfortable sometimes when he starts going off on some of the the, the more descriptive videos of the uh, the the woman that he's reviewing, he's like not reviewing the content that she's doing anymore. He's starting to review the
2: woman, oh. and you're like,
0: "Yeah, this is yeah.
2: becoming a little sexist." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just like, just the whole ah fuck me dead mother. Yeah, it's like and, skip. <laughs> yeah, so priest, priest. Yeah, priest
1: is a, <laughs> priest a solid priest. four out of ten. <laughs> uh,
0: something like that, maybe a five. I was gonna know. say that seems a little high based
2: on the 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 reaction there. I really like Paul uh, Betney too. Betney, Betany, Betney. Yeah, Betney. Uh, yeah. Betney, but uh, and Carl Urban. And right. it's like, ah, oh, oh, come on, guys. Let's do something. But anyway. Well, they, so. did, they did do something.
0: They were earning a paycheck.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. There you go. I'm definitely going to, when I get a chance, watch uh, Queen's Gambit starring that uh, anime woman. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> that, that anime woman?
2: Anya Taylor-Joy. Taylor, she looks like an anime character. I okay. mean, her, her she has big eyes, small mouth, heart-shaped faces. She's, she's literally like an anime character given, given life.
1: Huh.
2: Um, it's really funny because you see a whole bunch of promotional pictures of her, and uh, she's, uh, she's very much, very much looks like that. But uh, everybody's raving about it. And like I said, I stumbled across uh, an auto promo and Netflix did. A couple of weeks ago and it was just like wow that actually does look interesting it's a
1: Show about chess i'm in
2: yeah so i got it I, that i definitely gotta do so it grips you more than
0: mud, what a muddy old river or a reclining buddha wow there todd
1: wow yes you're absolutely right sir the right people will get that joke uh you know what uh pinball effects three apparently uh everyone's given up I, I am unbeatable no, oh yep, yeah, because I, I keep checking the scores and and uh, no one's been able to tackle any single one of them. I, I, I guess I, I guess I am the pinball wizard because because nobody wow. nobody's stepping up.
2: Man, I would love thought-
1: you. Y'all gave y'all gave a good run. I, I I appreciate you trying. You know, if 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 you could can not hack it, that's okay. I understand. That's all right. Pinball FX well, three will be my game.
2: There you go. Now, you've got something you can take to the grave, Todd. Apparently so. (laughs) Uh,
1: But you know who who could really, and and, uh, it pains me, pains me so much to say this. Uh, One person who can take me down on that damn thing, and that is Barry. And frankly, the only reason why he hasn't yet is because he has an Xbox, not a PlayStation. And I know Uh he has it on Xbox. And I I tell you. That dude has has rocked my scores. Barry and I butt heads in pinball in real life. Like, we would go down to the Pinball Hall of Fame and play stuff, and we would um, go back and forth as to get higher scores. And I hate to admit it, and it and makes me angry, that over half the time, Barry beats me. Mm-hmm. And it hurts. It hurts a lot. So so that's always sticking in the back of my brain. <laughs> but but I have to admit the truth, and the truth is that Barry might be just a smidge bit better at pinball than me, but just a little bit. Not much.
2: Yeah, it's a real shame. We'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> he
0: texted me earlier this week and said, uh, it's like I don't know what Todd's doing, but he's missed on Minecraft, and also that the uh, production company should have been called Hey, Jeff, Good Story Productions.
1: <laughs> That's adorable. And you know what? You Minecrafters, you, you do deserve an explanation. Um, w- one thing that happens with me with Minecraft is I hit a wall. And when I hit that wall, there, there's this nothing about Minecraft seems appealing when I hit that wall. And I kind of hit that uh, about a month and a half ago. Uh, and I, I, I will return. I swear I will return, but if un- until I am ready to return, it's I'm just gonna just like nibble at it here and there and and then just kind of walk away from it. So I, I, i'm I'm kind of waiting for that inspiration inside of me to come back to Minecraft. And so I feel you deserve an explanation for that, and I will come back. So I'm glad everyone's having a great time on the server, uh, and I'm seeing the stuff that's on there and and I love seeing what's on there. Uh, but, uh, that, uh, and all the other just madness that's around it and this, this life, uh, that's going on right now, uh, has, as that combination of the two has just made it hard to come back to. Uh, but I will get there. I, I swear. Uh, but just right now is just, uh, psychologically not, not a time I can go to it. And that's, it's a hard thing to, for me to describe, but, but that is what is happening with it. Uh, in fact, I was, uh, hit a uh, microscoop hit me up on Twitter and said, it's it's time for your uh, top 10 lists of ba- favorite books you read this year. Um, me who loves to read and, and loves cannot read right now. I, I, I've, I start books and I, and I can't stay in them. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I am really enjoying Citadel of the fallen by J.R. Conkle. I am enjoying it, but I can my brain right now in this COVID world is broken. Uh, reading is something that I can do when I am uh, very much at peace with uh, the world around me and what's happening in my own world. And my own world is not at peace. And because of that, I'm having a hard time reading. So, frankly, my top 10 book list this year, uh, Microscope, is probably going to be three books. Uh, because I think I read six this year, and I usually read between 40 and 50 books a year. Uh, that's just the kind of year it's been, and how psychologically damaging uh, this whole event has been uh, to me. Uh, it's 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 taken away my reading. It's it's kind of taken away Minecraft a little bit for me, and. And that's all I can really say about it and will I get there again absolutely uh, but it's I think it's going to create I'm going to need a more normalization of life uh, before I can return to those things I'll, I'll probably come to Minecraft and I'll eventually get through a book it just takes me forever to do it and I know I'm not the only person having this issue out there and for those out there who are also having this issue I feel you I understand my god uh, it's it's been an absolute uh, travesty this year on so many levels and as much uh, awfulness that I've personally experienced with losing people this year. Uh, I I know there's plenty out there who have had it much much worse and as as awful as it has been for me, I feel so terrible for those that have had to deal with it even worse than I had. So, um, it's, it's that really, that's come to in coming to grips with just trying to live life day by day. Is what it comes down to. I know that's, this is some things that people expect out of me, uh, from geek shock for all these years and that will come back. But unfortunately right now is not that time. And that I that literally living what life day to day and week by week is all I can ask for getting through right now. Uh, thank you, everybody, for your patience in all this. Um, but it's it's trying and it's hard. And, and I know it it's isn't just for me as well. It's for a lot of you out there as well. And uh, my heart goes out to you as well. So I, I guess I just something I needed to say. Well, you said it. You said it well. I appreciate it. And uh, out. So, what I did geeky this week is I finished The Good Place. And uh, yeah, you're right. It ramps right back up, Jeff. That is a super satisfying ending. In fact, I I'm up hard pressed to think of any show that ends as well as The Good Place.
0: Yeah, exactly. I started to think about when they. We're in the subject of season four. I'm like, how is this going to end? Is it just going to end with them getting to do everything they want to do? Or is this going to go some weird twisted way like the rest of the series had established? And, uh, it, it still surprised me how they ended it, but yeah, it, it was sad, but satisfying.
1: Terrific writing through and through. Uh, I, I can't remember. I know with the guy that created, uh, Uh, What was it? Uh, Parks and Recreation is also the one that created this, I believe. And yeah,
0: and uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine as well.
1: And 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 it does have you can you can feel that comedy energy in this show. It's a very similar energy. Uh, But this show has so much to say. It's almost a philosophy lesson masked as a situation comedy. Yes, I agree. And, and it goes into some deep philosophical places it's so smart it's incredibly written incredibly satisfying and again it's hard to talk about without giving anything away many of us on this show have mentioned it's something best to walk into without knowing anything going in but it is you know, of, of all the shows that have, and movies that have ever been made about its subject matter I can think of very few that comes close to its quality
0: yeah, and it doesn't uh, it, you don't get a lot of shows that are as smartly written as this show these days. I yeah. mean, some are really good when you get into like dramas and so forth, but rarely do you get a a good, well-written, philosophical, smartly written show in the guise of a sitcom.
1: Yes. <laughs> and and everybody, all the actors play their parts to a T. I have become a fan of every single one of them. What's the name of that a game show that involves the Impractical Joker guys?
0: Oh, I'm blanking out on her name that is hosting. Yeah, um,
1: one of the actresses from The Good Place is the host of that show, and that's somewhat improved that show. Even though I still don't think that the very is a very good show. But The Good Place is amazing.
0: Jamila Jamil is yes. the actress's name. Um, I'm trying to find the show that she's doing now. But it's uh. That's okay. It's, oh it's, the mis the misery index. The misery and index. Yes, you're right. It's it's not a good show. No, it the is mis- the misery index.
1: It's <laughs> uh, also I started watching Titans this week. Uh, that's the uh, DC Universe show that's on HBO Max. That is the basically the huh? the Teen Titans show. The R-rated uh, with uh, Robin, aka. Eventually Nightwing, Nightwing, I'm sure. Raven, Starfire, I think her name is. And I can't remember, the Beast Boy, the, the, the green guy that can turn into animals. Yeah, Beast Boy or Changeling. Changeling, okay. That is an interesting show. Uh, an interesting show with an interesting take and an interesting energy. I like it thus far. I don't know if I can call myself a fan yet. Mm. Uh, It's okay. okay. So it's it's basically these four characters. The main character is Dick Grayson uh, after he has left Batman and has gone out on his own. He still has the Robin suit, but he's kind of given up Robin and is kind of trying to leave it behind. Uh, But the show is known for being hyper violent, uh, R rated with language. It kind of leans into that almost in a forced way. It's like. We're making this R-rated to make it R-rated. So, what can we do in this episode to turn up the blood, violence, and swearing? It doesn't flow well. Like if you're watching something like uh, uh, Westworld, you know that's that's a very mature, adult R-rated show, if you will. But everything that is in the mature aspect of it isn't forced on it. It's just a part of what that story is trying to tell. Whereas with Titans, it's like, okay, let's tell this Berlanti-style uh, DC story, but l- when they get f- into fights, let's show a lot of blood.
2: <laughs> uh, the, That's weird. Uh,
1: the characters are good. I like the characters themselves. The, so far, the overarching storyline of at least this first season thus far, and I'm about eight episodes in, and they're about in 45 minutes each. That story is not compelling and it's, it's basically the uh, the origin of Raven. Mm. But when they get away from that a little bit, it becomes really interesting, but it becomes more about the characters and what the characters are going through. Uh, for example, the uh, second episode is called Hawk and Dove. Uh, if you're not familiar, Hawk and Dove is kind of a C-list DC uh, duo, DC Comics right. duo. Vigilantes basically, a, uh, a couple. Uh, big Jacked Dude is Hawk, and his, and his uh, girlfriend uh, is Dove. And they did a really good job of bringing Hawk and Dove into the TV universe, all the way down to actually using the costumes from the comic book. I mean, they nailed the comic book costumes. Wow. And that was really impressive. I was, I've been a fan of Hawk and Dove back during my comic book days. I, I, I enjoyed that series. And when that second episode went to Hawk and Dove, I'm like, oh my word, they're going to have Hawk and Dove in this. But not only did they do that, they offered a big chunk of that episode to them and did a really good job with them. So there's great things in Titan, and I don't want to spoil anything going on, although whatever you do don't look at the titles of the episodes because the episode titles spoil everything.
0: Yeah, I already made that mistake. <laughs> right? Uh,
1: but when they do introduce these other DC characters, they do a great job of it. And the characters that they have for the Titans themselves are doing a really good job with it. I just don't think this overall story arc is doing him any favors. Mm. But thus thus far, I'm enjoying it. Uh, there's probably about uh, four four maybe five episodes left i'm not sure how many episodes are in this season so it could all sudden go oh wow now i see why they did all the things they did but sometimes it just feels like they're running in place and when they get to this big overarching story that the season is telling the story pace just slows down
2: well raven's a weird story anyway even in the comics so sure well that's true and
1: it's a weird story here so yeah. I got to feel it. I don't know the Raven Origin arc, so it's it's pretty new to me. Like I said, I never read much in the way of the new Teen Titans or the Titans as they later became. So a lot of this is kind of new, but man, they're, they're they're taking their time on that story arc. And they've had full episodes devoted to that story arc, and those are my least favorite ones. Wow. And the last thing I I did this week is I am uh, putting all my old AD&D stuff on the eBay. Uh, I'm getting rid of some uh, stuff to make some room and also to uh, help uh, fill the bills uh, during this uh, pandemic time. All my old D&D stuff is going away. So and that's uh, we're talking the original Advanced Dungeons and Dragons first edition and some second edition stuff, but most of it's first edition stuff. Oh wow. so, so if you're interested in that and then there's some stuff that further along the way, then there's some uh, uh, like there's a lot of like Dark Sun stuff and there's some Spelljammer and a lot of Ravenloft. So if you're into any of that stuff, uh, years ago, I created the Ugly Couch Show eBay channel. That's we, we bought our original Ugly Couch Show puppets on eBay way back when. Right. I'm doing it under that moniker because that's kind of taken over the my eBay thing so it's a one word ugly couch show if you want to know the seller and uh i've posted a sample one up on the list i've, I've thrown only one thing up thus far because this is the first time i've sold anything on ebay since 1999 2000 around there so wow. so i'm, I'm kind of doing a test run with this first thing just to say what did i do right what did i do wrong and then i'm going to throw basically everything up almost all at once so there's a huge flood of old D&D stuff coming to ebay if that's your bag Oh plus boy! Plus, okay. you'll be helping me out, and I appreciate it. So, and right. Anything else you do this week, guys? I can't think of anything else. All right, gentlemen. Ooh. Other than working, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you poor, poor man. All right, guys. Then uh, let's go into news you don't give a shit about. <laughs> I accept it. Nobody
0: it, can do it like Andy. That's that's what it comes down to.
1: You're right. You're right. And and we we should we should have that beautiful set of pipes back. Us very, very soon.
0: Well, beautiful. Uh. That's maybe stretching it a bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what we're talking about anymore.
1: <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. Uh, Joss Whedon has left The Nevers, his HBO series. Quote, We have parted ways with Joss Whedon, HBO said in a statement. We remain excited about the future of The Nevers and look forward to its premiere, unquote. Uh, Whedon came out with a statement of his own saying that the struggles of producing the show during a pandemic were far too much for him physically. Quote, This year of unprecedented challenges has impacted my life and perspectives in ways I could never have imagined. While developing and producing The Nevers has been a joyful experience, I realize that the level of commitment required moving forward, combined with the physical challenges of making such a huge show during a global pandemic, is more than I can handle without the work beginning to suffer, said Whedon, who wrote the series and directed at least one episode. HBO picked up The Nevers as a straight series production two and a half years ago, Created created by Whedon, the show is a Victorian-era sci-fi drama about a group of women who have extraordinary abilities and are on a mission to save the world. Very Whedon-esque, I'd say. Uh, The Nevers is still set to debut in summer of 2021. Normally, I'd be like, uh, where does this really fall in? Because Whedon is not without his controversy in, in the Hollywood land at the moment. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But after talking about what I was talking about with just dealing with my own mental issues during this pandemic, I can understand where he's coming from.
2: Right.
0: It could be a combination of that plus the intense scrutiny that he's going through because of the uh, the investigations that are going on uh, due to the accusations from the Justice League shoot.
1: Sure. I mean, this this wouldn't be the first time that Joss Whedon has started a show and then left it, although this is probably the earliest he has done that. Uh, right. After all, he did start Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That was his baby from the beginning.
0: Um, well, I think he was always planning on just being a producer on that. I think he he directed the pilot and then moved into a more of an executive producer role.
1: OK. Because uh,
0: Jed Weed and his brother really kind of took over as showrunner. Him and his wife, um, whose name escapes me right now.
1: Okay. Um, and of course, he's he's had his uh, one season shots. You know, Firefly, probably the most famous. Uh, Dollhouse. How many? Dollhouse. Yeah. Uh, that last did that last one one or two seasons? I'm
0: pretty sure Dollhouse was one. Yeah. Nope. Oh. I, I stand corrected. Dollhouse did get a second season. Oh, I did didn't it? realize that. Oh, yeah. wow! Uh, apparently the second season was 13 episodes. The first was 14
1: Victorian era sci fi drama. I, uh, I know that we greenlit this when it hit our red light green light because Joss Whedon doing a group of women with extraordinary abilities. That's that's kind of his bag. That's what he does. I mean, if you're not familiar out there, he did create Buffy the Vampire Slayer as the TV show. right and kind of changed television in doing so the show has a lot of pedigree uh, but I also will say I was not a huge fan of dollhouse
0: it took a while to to take off and then I think because of lack of really support from the uh, the studio as well as the network kind of doomed it towards the end so it definitely started to feel as if uh, things were getting crammed in just so they could get the material in before their run ended
1: okay and and I'm always willing to give a Whedon show a chance. And especially being his first HBO series, I mean, mm. it's sad that he's not going to be going forward with it. But again, with yep. everything going on and his own mental issues and dealing with what's happening out here, it's probably for the best for everyone. But at the same time, it's it's always weird when a creator leaves his own show before it starts. Yep. Yeah,
2: it's bizarre it's truly bizarre it's like you're leaving your kid why
1: right I, I got a feeling there's more to this than the statements are alluding to mm-hmm. and, and it could be down to the justice league investigations
2: what um i you know what uh do i need reminding what are the justice league investigations
1: dude i'm not even sure entirely what it is jeff what are they Get my it's ducks in order here to tell you. It's a lot yeah. to put on your shoulders right now. I realize that.
0: I'm trying to think how to say this. Give me, give me like a second here, because I'm trying to organize. Trying to organize my thoughts. Uh oh. Good job, Kay. <laughs> so okay. Yes. Essentially, Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg in the Justice League movie, accused Joss Whedon of creating a hostile work environment. Belittling characters and also trying to whitewash a character out of the film. Uh, I guess the original actress cast in one of his specific accusations was that she was a uh, an African American actress and uh, he wanted to use after uh, effects to lighten her skin tone. I guess I mean a there's a, a long
1: that's a wow. hell of an accusation. There's,
0: there's like for a while, there, it was like just between him and like the uh, the Actors' Guild and Warner Brothers doing an investigation. But um I guess he's come out now and made specific uh, accusations publicly. So I guess that he has had some conversations with Warner Brothers. And I guess the initial one was they were trying to tell to say publicly that, he wasn't cooperating with their
2: investigation. and he's, well, Wait a minute. But you're, you're saying he too many times. Who he? Cyborg or Weedon?
0: Uh, Fisher. Ray Fisher.
2: oh okay. Cyborg. cyborg.
0: Yeah. Yes. Um, I right. guess that he said that he would be definitely willing to cooperate in an investigation as long as the Screen Actors Guild was there and he had representation. He wasn't going to do a one-on-one because he figured that they were just going to bury it in his own words. So... Um, it's an ongoing thing. Um, I'm sure Professor Biggs could tell you a lot more about it, but that's that's me trying to condense it all down into a short uh, description for the show. But I mean, it's all over there. It's all, it's like on Deadline and Hollywood Reporter okay. and everything. If you really want to get the deep explanation,
1: okay. And probably TMZ, I, knowing I, it, going them.
2: Yeah, it um, wouldn't wouldn't surprise okay. me. Golly gee, Willikers.
1: Yeah, it's it's it's, right. it's, it's a big deal.
2: I remember hearing some stuff, but I didn't realize when you guys said investigations, I was like, well, wait a minute. What the where the hell is this gone? So
1: that's that's where it stands right now. Anyways, I I don't certainly don't have anything to add. All right. Uh, News you don't give a shit about. Uh, This one's for the Disney files. Uh, Joe Rohde. The Imagineer, who was lead designer for Walt Disney World's Animal Kingdom, including the new Avatar attraction, is retiring. Uh, Rodin, yeah, I saw that. Right? This is hu- this for people who love Disney parks. This is massive news. Uh, Rhodey shared the news of his retirement after 40 years of working for Disney. Quote, It has been 40 years since I stepped foot in the door at age 25, not knowing anything about theme parks, Disney, or what it meant to work for a big company, he wrote. Uh, That's a hell of a statement. Uh, During his 40 years, Rhodey started as a model designer at Epcot and also went on to be lead designer of Ulani, that's Disney's resort in Hawaii. Uh, Rhodey went on to say that it made sense to him to step away while things are relatively quiet work-wise because of the pandemic. Quote, if I wait, I will once again be in the middle of another huge project, and by the time that is done, I would truly be old. Unquote, he said. Uh, The designer plans to continue developing his own creative projects. Uh, Rhodey, if you've ever seen any Disney documentary on Disneyland Parks, uh, he's the guy that's... uh, has the uh, the huge earrings that are coming down from his ears you you know yes. it when you see him usually has a has a, a small beard uh maybe even a goatee uh it has kind of like a, a hippie-esque-ness about him but he is absolute disney imagineer brilliance uh yeah you know, that disney has a lot of imagineers uh, but he's kind of the one that's been the face of Imagineering for at least the last uh, 25 years. Wow. So the, yeah. him, him stepping down is huge. And, and, he, and he's, he's right, I'm sure, that if he didn't step down now, then he would get embroiled in some massive attraction and not be leaving the company for another 15.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, he's he's been with the company over 40 years. Right. I mean... As an Imagineer, that's it's, that's
1: incredible. I mean, don't get me wrong. Great work if you can get it. Uh, Imagineer yes. is, probably, in my opinion, probably the best job to ever have ever. Good on him. I wish him a fantastic retirement, but man, am I sad to see him go. Wow. And news you don't give a shit about, Uri Geller. God damn it. We <laughs> just talked about him a few weeks ago when we talked about the passing of Amazing Randy. Uri Geller, uh, illusionist and uh, psychic con artist, frankly, um, has ended a feud with the Pokemon company after two decades. Yeah, this 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 happened. Uh, the company will once again be able to print trading cards featuring Kadabra, the uh, psychic Pokemon that is depicted holding a spoon bent by telekinetic means, the calling card of Uri Geller's act you see in 2000 Uri Geller took Nintendo to Los Angeles federal court by claiming that the company turned him quote into an evil occult Pokemon character by infringe upon infringing upon his professional identity uh, Geller's lawsuit asserted that Kadabra's design uh, particularly the lines on the Pokemon's belly was evocative of the lightning emblem used by the German SS during World War II. Quote, I want to tell the world before the start of the holiday season that I have nothing whatsoever to do with these violent characters. Uh, Geller, who sought nearly 80 million in damages, said at the time. As a result of the litigation, no more cadabra cards were produced. Uh, but now... Uh, the utensil-bending beast can return. Uh, quoting Geller recently on Twitter, I am truly sorry for what I did 20 years ago. Kids and grown-ups, I am releasing the ban. It's now all up to hashtag Nintendo to bring my hashtag Kadabra hashtag, hashtag Pokemon card back. I, I want to emphasize the end of that quote. It's now all up to Nintendo to bring my Pokemon card back unquote Geller said on Twitter it was ridiculous uh, continuing that quote it will probably be one of the rarest cards now unquote much energy and love to all uh, the, the unquote uh, speaking with the gamer over email Uri Geller revealed that he receives a quote tremendous volume of emails from fans begging him to let Nintendo revive the character on its cards Uh, He agreed and sent a letter to Nintendo officially retracting the ban. Uh, The message was reportedly received by two of the company's representatives. Uh, The evolved form of uh, Abra and Kadabra evolves into Alakazam. That's a Pokemon that wields two spoons. Um, So, yes, Curry Keller rescinded his litigation from 20 years ago. Saying that that Pokemon is me now I will say that Pokemon did do a bunch of Pokemon characters based off of various magicians of the time so uh-huh. the, the, the fact that they did have an Uri Geller one does unfortunately have a little bit of merit to it but uh, just bear, the, the it's it, it's a fr- it's a friggin lizard holding a spoon. And that's really it. So I think it was the fact that they had some other cards based on magicians that Uri Geller was able to say that oh, this one's obviously me because they did other magicians as well. But there's there's really very little. And it was ridiculous what happened then. And it's ridiculous now. Yeah, uh, basically. I mean, Geller has always been a limelight seeker, has, has, has always been somebody that's had that. Basic narcissism that if he's not in the news, he's not relevant. So I I doubt very much, and this is just my personal opinion, I doubt very much that he is doing this because, oh, I did so much so wrong back then to step in and make this assertion that this is an evil character based on a Nazi. And more that uh, I want to be in the news a little bit, so I'm going to give this back and, and try to look like the good guy doing it. Uh, Uri Geller is not a good guy. He's never been a good guy. And uh, F the guy.
2: All right. Goodness. Tell us how you real (laughs) feel, (laughs) Tom.
1: I'm sorry. Uri Geller's always been a shit show and always will be. (laughs) What was the Randy Pokemon like? (laughs) You know what? I'm not I know that there were ones based on magicians. I'm not sure which ones they chose. Uh, I would hope they would have a beard, though. Either yeah. that, or it's poking the one with the spoon in an eye, in the eyes.
2: Yeah, it's just <laughs> going around neutralizing everyone else's magic.
1: <laughs> that would be fantastic. I would yeah. get I would get that card and frame it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's beautiful. I saw one of the monkeys posted this, and this, of course, was on uh, uh, Blaster dot com, which I pull some of our news from. And and just reading over it, it was I, I basically read it through my fingers. Because whenever Uri Geller makes the news, it's never good. Wow, that affected you that much, huh? One day it will be good when he makes the news, but I won't even get into that. Oh. I know. It's, uh-huh. it's, 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 a, it's a gross thought. I know, but <laughs> I dislike the man so much. Uh, but that's it for news you don't give a shit about, so let's do some Weekend Geek. Woo!
2: bum ba bum bum-ba-bum-ba-bum.
1: Wow, well, that, that, that was that was somewhere between a trombone and a fart. That was really perfect. Yeah,
2: that was a that was a trombone up against an asshole.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it was a rusty trombone.
1: Oh, <laughs> wow. Da, 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 da. wow. And uh, then we might have an episode title too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, weekend geek uh th- this one I'm, I'm i'm happy with this one uh, the star oh. wars holiday special from 1978 is out there of course now for regular consumption once upon a time you couldn't find it now and now in, with youtube it's everywhere but thanks to a new documentary we'll learn how and why this much maligned special came to be Uh, Directed by Jeremy Kuhn and Steve Kozak, A Disturbance in the Force is the name of the documentary, and they revealed their first trailer this last week. Quote, Most attention on the holiday special just focuses on how bad it is, and it doesn't go deeper, Kuhn told io9. Quote, Our film is going to be 90-minute, is not going to sorry i better switch that <laughs> our, our, our film is not going to be 90 minutes of dumping on it because no one wants to watch that there's plenty of that out there we're we've gone really deep in the research and like an onion there are a lot more layers as to how the special happened than you would expect unquote uh in 2015 Kuhn and tim Sauskin debuted Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made. And that was the look at the zero budget shot for shot remake at the first Indiana Jones movie that was done up by three femmes in Mississippi. Uh, there's no word on when this documentary will be released, but I'm so happy it is happening.
0: That sounds fun. Um, on a side note, um, the Lego, uh, Lego Star Wars holiday special is on Disney And that was actually kind of funny. And they reference Elements of the uh the classic holiday special as well. You know what, so. Jeff? Yeah,
1: that is something I did watch this week. Did you watch it, Kay? Yeah. Okay, so yes, so it... we've all watched it. See, that's yeah. something we did this week. Woo-hoo. Yeah. And we yeah. all forgot. That's totally how much it stayed for- with us. Oh. I
0: mean, I enjoyed it when I watched it, but I you know got distracted by other things. Hey, I get it. I absolutely
1: get it. And and it was enjoyable and very much that uh that Lego almost airplane comedy style right uh, where it it both loves and sends up the thing that it's talking about and and it and it tells a cohesive time jumping story within the star wars universe it's they did Mm -hmm. a good job yeah absolutely yeah they did and i love their depiction of the emperor it's it's phenomenal. <laughs> it was almost
0: the Rob, Robot Chicken Star Wars version of the you're, Emperor. You're
1: right. This was very cl- yeah. This The whole show was very close to Robot Chicken. Like if they took Robot Chicken and dialed it down to a G rating. There you go. Yeah. yeah. But still kept the bite of the comedy. Exactly. Which is a hard thing to do with something rated that young. Yeah, uh, but uh, the, I love that somebody is doing a loving documentary on the Star Wars holiday special, the original one from 78, because. Yes, for for decades, we, we never got to see it. It was some mystery out in the ether. Only people that went to certain conventions and got bootleg VHS and DVD copies of it uh, were able to see it and usually a horrible version of it
0: yeah, I don't think I got to see it until about fifteen years ago. Uh, you, it just
1: just wasn't around right. and And for me, I mean, it wasn't until it hit YouTube, frankly, that I got to see it. and and it was it was it was amazing. It was terrible. It was everything I was told it was going to be right. and And it does have a special place in my heart for it just being a, how did this happen? And now, because of this documentary, I, I might get an answer to that question for the first time. Because <laughs> let's face it, a bunch of YouTubers out there have already put in their two cents as to why they dislike this special. And their, their reasonings are all sound. But nobody has done anything on to why it's happened. And, and mostly because Lucas has tried to keep that from happening. But I have a s- suspicion that because it's now been available and there's nothing he's been able to do about it, that he's kind of loosened his his grasp, and the star system slipped through his fingers. <coughs> Possibly. Uh, hmm. This next we'll point. We'll see. Uh, this, ne- this next uh, uh, story. I, I I'm not looking forward to going through all this, uh, but we should. Uh, We lost a lot of people this week and some really big names. Uh, I mean, usually what we we try to honor those that have passed on this show when they happen, uh, because usually there are people that are involved in genre stuff that most people have never heard of. uh, Writers and costumers and but people that have made their mark on the movies, television and games that we've loved in the past. Uh, this week we lost four and uh, some you'll know and some you won't uh, the last one hit me pretty hard uh, more than uh, a bigger name that happened this week so I'll, I'll start going through the list uh, first this week we lost screenwriter Malcolm uh, uh he was a writer for Dark Shadows the, the supernatural soap opera from the 60s 70s it's, it's, the show still has a fan base that carries to this day. Uh, Marmsteen is one of the writers who is often cited as bringing supernatural elements to that soap opera. And after working on Dark Shadows, uh, Marmastine went on to write Pete's Dragon in 1977. That's a, it was a part cartoon, part live action Disney uh, cult hit film that's uh, kind of been forgotten. That was days. my
0: favorite Disney film back in the
1: day. You know I loved it, Pete's Dragon. Yeah, for a while it was my favorite too, and... It it was definitely the first time I ever saw cartoon and real life interact on the screen, right? I I know it's not the I know they did bed bed knobs and broomsticks before it. uh, But this was the first one that I ever saw as far as that that used that element. Uh, he also, uh, f- the following year, wrote Return from Witch Mountain for Disney, uh, the s- sequel to Escape to Witch Mountain, sci-fi film that starred Twins Endowed with Telekinesis, another movie series that I absolutely adored. And Mind he- Bullets. Right. In later years, he also penned the TV movie Frankenstein, and in 1993, returned to vampires with the uh, comedy Love Bites. So, was, uh, so that's, we lost him this week. For horror fans, we lost a Daria uh, Nicolotti, uh, the Italian actress and screenwriter who co-wrote Dario Argento's uh, giallo classic Suspiria in 1977. Uh, She died at the age of 70, right? Uh, Her first collaboration with Argento was in 1975, uh, a movie called Deep Red. From there, the actress appeared in several more Argento projects, Inferno, uh, Tenebrae, uh, phenomena in opera she was supposed to appear in suspiria as well but sustained an injury prior to filming It was ultimately was replaced by stefina cassini uh, and due uh. to its iconic use of color and disjointed imagery suspiria uh, if you're not familiar it's a story of an american dance student who attends a german dance academy run by witches it remains one of the most influential piece of uh, giallo cinema ever made So if you think of Italian horror, uh, aside from Argento, you should also think of Daria Nicolodi. She had a big part of that. And, of course, the big one this week, uh, literally the big one, David Prowse. Uh, Yeah. British actor who played Darth Vader in the original Star Wars trilogy and beyond, died at the age of 85. Uh, While Vader was voiced by James Earl Jones, it was Prowse that brought Vader to life on the screen. Prowse's height and build made him perfect for the role. Uh, Lucas originally gave him a choice between playing Vader and Chewbacca and Prowse chose Vader and the role of Chewie of course went to Peter Mayhew. Uh, but he chose Vader because he always felt that the villain was always going to be remembered the most and boy was he right. But Prowse yeah, didn't uh, a gentle giant of a man.
0: Yeah, he was in Clockwork Orange, too. Yes, uh, yes, he was. In fact, there's a scene where a gu-
1: he lifts a guy yeah. who in a wheelchair. Exactly.
0: That's exactly the, the scene I was just going to mention. Yeah, he, um, I, I, I swear I remember him being at Comic-Con one year and saying something to the effect that when he was cast, uh, he memorized all the Vader lines and then wasn't until much later he found out that, his lines were going to be overdubbed with James Earl Jones voice.
1: Yeah. I believe the full story on that is that they of course recorded him on the set themselves. And then they recorded him doing the voice lines themselves, but that got lost or damaged somewhere along the line. And they'd already moved production to LA. It was cheaper for them to get James Earl Jones to do it than to have new ones done in England with him. And that's, that's my understanding of how that happened. Really? I mean, wow. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. When you think of the stature that is Darth Vader, you're looking at the stature of David Prowse. That's, he's yeah. the one that made that happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, the way he carried himself, you could tell when it was him. Because I remember um, watching... Um, you know the revenge of the sith and when hayden christensen is in that outfit <laughs> oh, he geez. just doesn't fill nope. it out as well nope he just doesn't
1: not not in not in any way frankly in that moment the uh, if there is a low point to uh, to all of all of star wars in my opinion it 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 is the vader breaking from his frankenstein shackles right giving that Non-heartfelt no. 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 (laughs) No. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't laugh in a moment like that. But I did. Yeah. (laughs) You would, Todd.
2: (laughs) You're mean.
1: Not my fault. Well, it might be fault that that I'm mean, but not my fault that that was funny. Mm Mm-hmm. And and the one that's uh, that I learned about today, the one that kind of broke me over all of these, uh, scientist, Hugo Award winner, prolific science fiction author and editor, Ben Bova, mm-hmm. has died at the age of 88, and uh, he died from COVID.
0: Yeah. Ah, oh, geez. Uh,
1: Bova worked as a technical editor for the U.S.'s Project Vanguard, the first effort on the country to launch a satellite into space in 1958. Uh, He went on to work as a science writer for Avco Everett Research Laboratory, which built the the heat shields for the Apollo 11 module. Uh, But soon, around that time, Bova began writing and publishing science fiction. He published his first novel, The Star Conquerors, in 1959, and he followed up with dozens of others in the following years, as well as numerous short stories And in 1971, he took over the helm of Analog Magazine following the death of its long-running editor, John W. Campbell, Jr. Uh, While there, he published notable stories such as Joe Haldeman's Hero, which later became The Forever War, and earned the Hugo Award for Best Editor for numerous consecutive years before stepping down in 1977. And from there, he became the first editor of Omni Magazine until 1982. And consulted on television shows such as The Star Lost and Land of the Lost. Uh, Bova's best-known works involved plausible sciences about humanity's expansion into the universe, looking at how we might adapt to live in space uh, with novels such as 1992's Mars, about the first human expedition to the Red Planet. He followed that novel up with additional installments, forming the Grand Tour series, which explored all of the solar system's major bodies, the latest installment, Uranus, was published in July, and was scheduled to be the first of a trilogy. Uh, the second installment, Neptune, was scheduled for release next year. I assume that will be finished by somebody else.
2: Yeah, uh, and but, I think the third one was your mom's anus.
1: <laughs> I, I I knew when I didn't say Uranus. I knew uh, I knew that uh, Kay was gonna. What? Oh, crap. I mean, me? I, and and don't, don't get me wrong, I appreciate the levity. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, between that and, uh, you know, between his death and, and the announcement of uh, the Arecibo Array being uh, decommissioned because the damage oh, was too yeah, great to re- yeah. repair it was, was really like a, a punch to the gut for me this, these last two weeks. Yeah,
1: if, if you know yeah. science fiction, you know the name Ben Bova. He's right yeah. up there with, with Asimov and Clark and a a living legend. So it's sci-fi lost a major voice for humanity to this virus.
0: It's, it's ridiculous. And I mean, you know, you can try to play it off and say, you know, he was 88, he lived a good life, but at the same time, nobody should suffer and die from this virus. Just it's, it's, it's not even something remotely kind to people. Yeah. No matter how severe or how mild your symptoms are.
1: Anybody who dies from this di- virus died before their time, frankly.
0: Yes, exactly. They
1: would have lived longer if weren't for, for the virus. I'm, I'm sorry, but fuck our government for deciding they weren't going to control it.
0: Well, the economy was more important than lives. Yeah. You know how that goes.
1: Gross, but you're right. That sucks. Yep. Uh that's a that's a big list that's a big list of beautiful names that we lost so yeah but i definitely want to honor them in this show absolutely so we will continue on with uh, more news uh, first up being a craig Mazin's tv adaption of the last of us video game franchise is officially coming to hbo Uh, Mazin, the uh, scribe for HBO's Chernobyl miniseries, will write and executive produce the series alongside Naughty Dog's Neil Druckerman. Uh, Naughty Dog is the company that made the video game. Uh, Set 20 years after a mutated strain of Cordyceps fungus started turning people into raging zombie-like monsters, hardened survivor Joel is hired to smuggle 14-year-old Ellie out of an impressive quarantine zone. What begins as a simple job becomes a brutal journey of heartbreak across the ruins of a collapsed United States. A sequel to the first game, The Last of Us Part II, was released over the summer to massive critical and commercial acclaim. Um... Last of Us. It's. I haven't finished it.
0: I mean, you. Yeah, I remember you were liking it while you were playing it, but yeah, then you stopped.
1: It's one of those th- times that I was playing it, I was enjoying it, and then Gamey, gamey fly, uh, <laughs> Gamefly, uh sent me something shiny, and then, then I then I lost it. And it's one of those games that has the perpetual narrative, so that if you stop playing it and go away from it for a while, you're kind of like, I kind of need to start this over and start this story over again. And it's uh. it's definitely something I want to experience because there's a reason why this game has gotten so much acclaim, especially for its story. And b- apparently, both both games are just heartrending. In it's and its storytelling and just knowing what I know about it what I've played thus far yeah HBO and the last of us is a marriage made in heaven if uh, you're not familiar with the cordyceps fungus uh, that's the fungus that exists in real life that gets onto ants and burrows and takes over their brains uh, that basically the fungus gets in into their brain, and it then starts controlling the ant like a zombie to move up to the highest leaf it can get it to, uh, where it then sprouts from the brain itself to uh, let out more uh, spores to uh, propagate itself amongst other beings, and there yeah. and that and that's the big uh, and this is something that science is been like you know so far it only affects these insects but if this fungus ever evolves to affect uh, mammals or stronger creatures we could be in a lot of trouble and that's basically what the last of us is about yeah and yeah so,
0: fortunately it only affects a certain uh, mostly it's ants i think right. they, they said it it doesn't even cross into other insect species yet
1: right and, and that's just it and so that's what Makes this game story especially uh, eerie to play when you we think of the possibilities of it. I mean, when you, I mean, the pandemic that we're dealing with now is a crossover event of a virus from animal to human. So I mean, these yeah. th- these things happen. A mad cow disease and bird yeah, flu. These are all ad- examples of this sort of thing happening, and so when you have something this extreme in this last of Us story, but you're seeing evidence of it playing out in real life, it it makes you go home in a, in a, a horrific way.
2: And congrats to captain Luddite who actually uh, predicted years ago that this should be a TV show.
1: Oh, that's right. He did. Absolutely. Captain Luddite. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I will say um, we've, talked about with this show uh, that we're going to get of course Andy and of course Matt on when we can uh, when he's available and we're going to reach out to uh, past hosts of this show to bring him on as guest hosts during this quarantine time and Captain Leddite has already reached out to us to join us and so we will have his voice on Geek Shock again before long and so I'm very excited and happy to say that yeah that will be awesome uh, I miss that guy and if, and if you want a somebody who is a, an expert in knowledge on board games, oh boy, Captain Luddite's your dude. Because mm-hmm. As much as I love and know about board games, it, that dude runs circles around me.
0: Not to mention his YouTube channel of original music Absolutely. that he writes and, perf- and performs.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah, Todd, how can you possibly forget? <laughs> I didn't forget because it's amazing. And I'm glad you brought it up, Jeff. That's awesome.
0: Well, it's only because he wrote a song for you, right, Todd? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, but, but, but you know what? Popsicle Day is still my favorite. He's written a lot of great songs for that, that channel, but I, I love Popsicle Day so much. It, it always just brings sunshine to my heart.
0: They are shiny, fun tunes.
1: Uh, Netflix has bought the screen rights to Annie McDermott's 2009 novel, A Hunt, The Hunt for Atlantis. Uh, a film adaptation which could launch a mega franchise has been in development for a while with Aaron Berg, who, uh, who did Borderlands, attached as writer and producer. The Hunt for Atlantis is the first installment in McDermott's 15-book Nina Wild eddie Chase series. Uh, similar to Indiana Jones, each book revolves around an epic adventure to find a mythical artifact or city. In the first book, archaeologist Nina Wild teams up with reclusive a reclusive billionaire, his daughter, and an uh, ex-SAS bodyguard, Eddie Chase, for a race to find the titular city. So uh, Netflix has bought the rights (laughs) to that first novel with the expectation of launching a movie franchise with it. Mm -hmm. Titular, is that what you got you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Titular is a fun word. Um, (laughs) Kirsten, have you read any of the McDermott series? No, I have not. Uh, Frankly, I haven't heard of it. And uh, as as much as I like to read sci-fi, horror, and uh, fantasy, uh, when I stray out of that, I tend to go for these kind of novels that are Indiana Jones-esque. So I'm kind of surprised that uh, that hasn't hit my radar. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it either. either. So great. It's another thing for me to read when I can read again. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to have goals. It's good to have goals. And I love this next story so much the last surviving mechanical shark created for the movie jaws has been restored and has received a special place at the soon to open academy museum of motion pictures in los angeles
0: i can't wait for that museum to open
1: it's going to be great man the the 1200 pound 25 foot long 45 year old shark has been mounted above the main escalator at the museum where he he will welcome visitors. This first version of Bruce did not appear in Jaws. Three copies of Bruce were created for the movie and all three were destroyed after filming Wrapped. But after Jaws became the first modern Hollywood blockbuster, Uh, Universal Pictures commissioned the construction of a fourth Bruce from the same mold used to cast the three that starred in the movie. And after hanging at Universal Studios for about 15 years, it again was cast aside, uh, ending up at a Sun Valley, California junkyard for the next quarter century. The junkyard's owner uh, ended up realizing what they had, didn't even realize that that's what it was, uh, donated Bruce IV to the museum in 2016 but after years of sitting outside in the sun in the middle of a junkyard uh, it was in bad shape it received a seven-month restoration by special effects wizards greg greg who at this point uh, i think should be offered up for uh, to be pope at this point greg nicotero is amazing <laughs> Uh, if nothing
0: f- else. He should be head of restoration at the museum. I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> well, sure. I mean, the I mean the dude is constantly working. He's known, of course, yeah. most for his work on The Walking Dead, but he it, right now he's creep show is his, his baby on Shutter, uh, but he's right. always doing stuff. He he is the name when it comes to modern special effects, especially horror. But the museum will open up on April thirtieth, twenty twenty one, if. So far, hopefully. Fingers su- crossed. Yeah, don't be surprised if that gets pushed back. Mm-hmm. But I'm so glad this this Bruce got found and saved and is now in a its special perfect place at this Acad- Academy Museum of Motion Pictures. That's awesome. Okay, you must be especially uh, <laughs> happy that this thing survives. I'm
2: surprised, actually. I didn't know. I'm very happy that uh, that it's out there. I uh, I guess, you know, when they destroyed the Bruces, it's nice to know that they actually had the mold still. Because usually when they destroy everything, they destroy everything.
1: Sure, and they were so. happy to destroy those sharks. They hated those sharks.
2: Yeah. So I was happy to hear that the mold's still around. Uh, well, I should say amazed to hear that the mold's still <laughs> around. Right? That's something, though.
1: And we got uh, one more story here. HBO Max has given a series order to the pirate comedy, Our Flag Means Death. And Taika Waititi is on board to executive produce and helm the pilot. Uh, The series from showrunner David Jenkins, who did People of Earth, loosely adapts the life and adventures of fancy rich noble Steed Bonnet, who gives up luxury for a life as a swashbuckler. His antics will be translated by Jenkins and Watiti as soon as the latter is finished with his production of Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, no timeline or episode count for the series has been set as of yet. But uh, a pirate comedy from Taika Watiti. Uh, yes, please. Yeah. Sign, Sign me
2: up. up. That's funny, too, because uh, Steve Bonnet actually existed, didn't he? Wasn't he known as like the gentleman pirate?
1: I think so. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's very interesting.
1: Well, golly gee, Tyka, Right. You know what? I'm not saying he can't do no wrong, but he can't do no wrong.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I was gonna say he's right up there in the the category of can do no wrong.
2: Yeah. A subsidiary of Done Right Pictures.
1: <laughs> What's your subsidiary of Done Right Pictures? Write to us. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. dot com. And of course if you have a pitch for red light, green light, send it to Pitches Bitches care of that email address. And uh, so far, it seems like we're getting the audio kinks worked out in this experiment. I appreciate you, Shock Monkeys, for continuing to uh, uh, have patience with this process. But uh, with each episode, we hope to make it better and better.
2: Indeed. And- Actually, last uh, episode, I listened to it with Lewis, and, and he, uh, he conceded that uh, originally, when it started, he's like, oh man, this echo is awful. And he halfway through it, he's like, you know, you you kind of kind of get used to it and stop hearing it.
1: Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, I was
2: just gonna say, it's amazing how quickly you get used
0: to that echo, and it just kind of like tunes out in your brain. Yeah,
1: and hopefully it won't won't happen again.
0: Yes. <laughs> Fingers crossed. But oh, until
1: boy. next week, I am Master Torgo.
2: Eighties Jeff, Commander K. K. Hey, we'll
1: talk hey, to hey. You. <laughs> very nice, thank you, and we'll talk to you next week in Geek, and uh, hopefully we'll have Andy next week.
0: Yes, for more yeah, well, adventures in podcasting.
2: <laughs> we'll see. We'll, <laughs> see.
1: we'll see. We'll see. Indeed.
2: I mean, you know, well, you know, Andy, he'll probably have Monday night reserved for helping open a strip club or something.
1: Sure. Or getting lost in the fog or taking a picture of a tombstone. That's true.
2: He went to get a rubbing on a tombstone in the fog uh, and got lost and, and then end up in a strip club.